Episode 2 of the Roll Waves podcast is here. And this is a special one with one of my childhood favorite players watching Pepperdine growing up in Malibu, California. Stacy Davis is here. He graduated as Pepperdine's all-time leading scorer. We will get to that interview in just a second. We talk everything from the Euro League, from playing in multiple countries in one year, from bouncing around to his records at Pepperdine, his best memories at Pepperdine, his favorite achievements as a Wave, his biggest regrets as a Wave, and all things in between. It was an awesome conversation, and he is really candid and open with all things his career, his Waves career, and beyond. So definitely stay tuned for this conversation with one of Pepperdine's all-time greats, Stacey Davis. My name is Asher Lowe, and this is the Roll Waves podcast. I usually cover Wisconsin sports for USA Today and for Locked On Badgers, my podcast for Wisconsin sports. But I am a diehard Pepperdine basketball fan. I have been my whole life, originally from Los Angeles, and the Waves have always been my team from a very young age. And Stacey Davis was one of the players that I watched growing up. So this was a really special interview for me to do. Make sure you drop a review here on the Roll Waves podcast on Spotify or on Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening. On Spotify specifically, I think you can just hit follow and that will give you an update whenever we post a new episode here at the Roll Waves podcast. Expecting to have them up once a week and I'll let you know at waves underscore up on Twitter at AOW underscore 33 when those new episodes are coming out. We had Lorenzo Romar on for episode one. Here is episode two with Pepperdine legend Stacey Davis. Joining me for the second episode of the Roll Waves podcast is the guy that I saw lead Pepperdine for four years, a guy that I saw become Pepperdine's all-time leading scorer from 2012 to 2016. He retired as Pepperdine, well, retired is a different, different word, graduated as Pepperdine's all-time <laughs> leading scorer in program history with almost 1,800 points. Stacy Davis joins the Roll Waves podcast. Stacy, welcome. My man, I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you having me here. A lot of interesting things to talk about. Obviously, I want to focus a lot on the waves, but I think I'm going to start with your overseas career right now. You're calling me on Zoom right now from Hungary. Talk yeah. a little bit about what this year has been like for you. You had your season canceled last year, and now mm-hmm. you're in Hungary getting ready for a new season. Uh, it's been interesting, man. Uh, I think that, uh, first of all, I'm just very fortunate. Uh, I know a lot of uh, my peers, basketball players who um, might have not secured a contract yet or still at home, still training. And, um, you know, there's just a litany of players that are still home. So, like, the the competitiveness of getting a contract this year is out of this world because um, on top of the overseas guys that already play, you also have to factor in uh, – all right, so let's think of uh, the G League guys. They haven't announced whether or not the G League is going to even start. So those guys are probably thinking we need to, you know, start making some money. So they might try to secure an overseas contract. And then um, there's just – and then a lot of guys who usually play in higher leagues in Europe, because the budget cuts were so crazy, they've opted to play in Japan. So now there's a lot of guys who usually play in Japan who are looking to potentially play in Europe. So it's just uh, – first thing I want to say is I'm very fortunate. But outside of that, man, it's um, it's been fairly regular. We've had some cancellations of, um, of some preseason games. But other than that, you know, it's been, it's been pretty normal just, you know what I mean, trying to, trying to uh, 
ramp up and get to know everybody. It, the one aspect has been a little bit different is we haven't had as many players at practice because we usually have younger guys that practice with us, but to, but they go to school. So to avoid us, you know, potentially contracting COVID, they basically said you can either go to school and not practice with us or you can practice with us and not go to school. So most of them are uh, obligated to go to school. Um, but my feeling is that we're going to play. Uh, my feeling is that we're going to play. Uh, we have not only we, the players, but like the leagues have a lot of a lot of things that are at stake because you have to think they cut the season short last year. Uh, so that affected sponsorships. And uh, now we're starting the season now. And if they essentially cut it short or say that it's not going to happen, there's a lot of teams that can that can potentially fold in these leagues because it's not it's not like uh, they don't have the financial structure of, you know, like an NBA, like EuroLeague might have that, but like, it's not, it's not like that in a lot of countries. So there's a lot that's riding on, you know, just us having a successful season, whether that's, you know, us just completing the season, regardless of what happens. And I think the biggest thing is understanding um, that some players are going to test positive. We're not in a bubble. We're in a country and just seeing how the countries and the, the, um, the federations respond to a, a player potentially testing positive because, you know, it, it's going to happen. Like it, it's just, it's, we're not in a bubble. People are with their families. Their families want to go out, get some food and do all types of things. And, you know, it, it is what it is. But uh, for the most part, man, it's been, it's been fairly normal. You've played in a ton of places. This is, this is normal. For people that don't know much about EuroLeague basketball or trying to play in Europe, in other countries, in Asia, you mentioned Japan, China's a yeah. big playing in other countries and not going to the NBA, to the G League, right after you uh, graduate after a fantastic college career, players will play in a ton of different places. You've played in Ukraine, France, Mexico, the Philippines, to name a few. You're now in Hungary. What have the, the experiences been like? What have been the ups, the downs? I mean, have you gotten just kind of a bunch of random things happen? Like one situation's amazing. The next one is like, I don't know who this coach is, who he thinks he is. Because uh, I've heard I've heard horror stories and I've heard amazing stories. I feel like it's in some ways it's just hit or miss, right? It, it is. It's, a lot of it is hit or miss because uh, um, there's a different expectation depending on who your coach is, depending on what country is, what what um, you know they're expecting from you. So for a country like Hungary, where we can, on my team we have four Americans. So now with four Americans, the responsibilities are basically. Um, dispersed so they're not looking at you to come in and they don't need you to come in and average like 17 18 19 points if you do that's good but it's not necessarily like something that they need you to do what they're more focused on is you being consistent you playing within the team and you winning now if you go somewhere else where you might be one of two americans there's a little bit more that's put on your shoulders and not maybe not on just on the scoring end but just uh, as a whole there's just a level like there's an expectation level that's put upon you depending on how many imports you have, which for instance, in the Philippines, like the expectations put on um, the imports are, is incredible. So, uh, but yeah, man, it's been, um, it's been interesting. Every country is different. Every culture is different. I think uh, the, one of the downs is just obviously uh, being lonely, being in a different country, not having a family, not having close friends around. And you kind of get a sense of like, uh, there's a distance between a lot of um, your friendships and just relationships with your family, just because although you might communicate via FaceTime, 
man, there's nothing like being able to just hang out like one-on-one or hang out with your family or just hang out. And even if it's just watching a TV show, like, like that energy of you just being there in person. Um, but the pros for me is that I get to go see a lot of different countries. I get to experience a lot of different cultures and that is just something. And on top of that, I get to do this and I get paid for it. So, um, these are just things that you can only dream about, man. Like I never would have thought, like I never, my dream was to play in the NBA. And, you know, unfortunately that what, that didn't happen, but I'm still uh, conquering my dream of being a professional. And I never once thought I would even step foot in Hungary, step foot in Ukraine, step foot. Like I thought I was going to go to Paris and France on a vacation or something like that. So to be able to travel and go to these countries and really immerse myself in the culture and be there for nine to 10 months, um, it's, it's like, it's literally priceless. So, uh, the downs are, you know, you're away from your family. There's a, you know I mean? Like there's a learning curve. The coaching can be a little bit different, but the ups are, man, you just, you get to really experience things that, uh, most people don't. On the floor. I feel like there is this stigma from Americans that don't really, I've never watched European basketball. Don't know much about it. There's this stigma that it's soft. And everything I've seen and heard is that that is just not true from anybody that's ever played there, coached there, anybody I've talked to that's been around it. That's the opposite of true. In fact, I hear it's the most physical basketball you have in the world it is not in the NBA. In fact, right now it's in Europe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, for, for sure. Well, there's are right, So there's two things that play a factor with that. Uh, one, they have defense. They don't have defensive three seconds. Wow. So, Pre- well, so there's three things. NBA right there. Yeah. I mean, the NBA. Right. Yeah. So, so there's three things. So one, the, the uh, three-point line isn't as far back. So that's one. So the spacing is a little bit different. It's like a little bit further back from the college line. So there's a little bit more spacing, but not as much as there would be in the NBA. Two, there's not a defensive three seconds in the league, in the, in the paint. So, for instance, if you have a footer, you can literally camp him in the paint. He can, he can have one foot in the paint at all times, so he can come on the help side or – Guys can just sit in the paint and stunt and over-rotate or pre-rotate or whatever the case is. And then um, the third is that uh, a lot of, like, for a lot of leagues, man, for the most part, like, overall, a lot of the, um, like, domestic players or a lot of countries, they're not just, like, crazy athletic. Whereas in the NBA, you have this combination of, like, for the most part is, you have this combination of skill and athleticism, which is what sets these these players apart from the rest. Is like their ability to be so athletic while maintaining a, a solid skill set. And um, in Europe, in these countries, a lot like you know, what I mean, they're just not they're not as athletic. Sure. They're not, as overall, they're just not as athletic. So with that comes more physical play, just naturally. You know, what I mean, it's like when you go hoop at Twenty Four Hour Fitness or LA Fitness, like. The OGs that are playing in there, they're not athletic. So it's like, man, I'm going to rough you up no, a little bit. That's but they'll, they'll, they'll drop step you real quick on the right block and, and give you man, like, in a game. That's a fact. So it's like – so it's just, a, it's just a product of the environment. So, yeah, I would definitely say that that um, that, that basketball here is definitely not soft, man. It's, uh, it's, um, <laughs> it's definitely, definitely, definitely tough. So is there an illegal defense rule as well? Like the NBA when they had – the defense, so there's no, so there's no illegal defense rule. I mean, you can you can just sit in the paint all day, like no matter who. Wow. So that's that's but, even, that's even more physical, or it creates even more physical defense than the NBA had in like the '90s with their rules. Because yeah. not only do you not have uh, a defensive three seconds in the key rule, but also the illegal defense rule in the NBA for listeners is 
you had to be within an arm's length of an opponent, which they don't, they don't have that in Europe either. So, that, I mean, that's a wild combination. And that allows yeah, defense. Huh. With what we're seeing today in the NBA, by the way, like, you can actually play defense. How does that feel? You can't play defense today in the NBA much. Yeah, no. So, I tell people a lot of times that uh, the NBA is structured to be an offensive league. Like, it's the way the rules are constructed, the way the – you know what I mean? The way the refs are told to operate, it's – instructed to produce a lot of uh, definitely now because we're seeing the pace of play go up we're seeing a lot more threes being taken which obviously improves pace of play because you know you shoot a three long rebound which creates another fast break opportunity for the opposing team if they miss uh, so there's a lot of factors that play into that but the nba is very it's it's like and it's used to the nba is structured to be offensive because they want it to be not only challenging for the players but they need it to be entertaining for the fans. So there's that aspect of it, right? Now, in Europe, because basketball and there's so many different countries, it's not like a unified thing outside of the EuroLeague. Um, every country is different. So it's more based on being a uh, like a legit holistic basketball experience. You know, I mean, people are coming to these games because they like to act, they like basketball, they like watching it, it's just something to do there. You know, what I mean, like the rules aren't necessarily catered to, you know, scoring a lot of points. There's, um, you know, you you score 75, 80 points in Europe, that's like, man, you're scoring, you're doing a lot. Whereas in the NBA, like, there's, I think getting to 100 is just normal now in the NBA. It's now to the point of like, all right, we need to hit the 110s and 115s. And with everything being said, they only have two extra minutes in each quarter. That's a like to, two extra minutes in each quarter, but you're adding on 30 to 40 extra points. That's a lot of shots being made, fouls being called, offense being generated. And sure, some of it might be shot making, but most of it is just defense rules. I mean, most of it is how the league is structured. Yeah, I, I, right. I've totally seen that, especially recently. And I feel like people are now, like the normal fan is now kind of starting to catch on to like, wait, this is getting a little out of hand. Like you can't touch anybody. At this playoffs, we've seen so much fouling jump shooters, right? right. And checks being called and stuff that has just really gotten – a little out of control, in my opinion, at least. I think that uh, I think what's also interesting about that is you just you you realize how much fans play a role into the entire ecosystem of a basketball game, from a coach yelling at a referee and he can't necessarily hear it, to players yelling at referees and they they can't necessarily hear, it, mm-hmm. to the momentum shifts of the the crowd that give teams energy, that give teams like this edge, or the momentum that takes that edge from other players. Um, so that's why you have a team like the Phoenix Suns who are able to go 8-0 eight, eight and oh in the bubble because they're like, I've played against Devin Booker during the summer. And he, outside of him, you know, being very good in the NBA in the summer, he's, you know, he's elite, elite. And so when you take away that. Wow. Yeah. So you've seen Devin, so, no fans Devin Booker is what you're saying. You've seen a difference. Yeah, yo, yo, no, no fans Devin Booker. Like, wow. Weather up, summer runs, Devin Booker is, he's, he's crazy. And it's, wow. it, I'm, I wasn't surprised at what I was seeing in the bubble because you, this is literally, the bubble is, and they simulate noise and they do all this other stuff. But with no fans, when you don't have to worry about if you miss a jump shot, it's just like when you're in an open gym and you're just hooping. You're not worrying about missing a jump shot because, you know what I mean, like you're going to get it back on, in, on the, the next play. Um, when you don't have that many factors into it, man, it, it really goes to show, like, the importance of home court advantage. Like, like these are legit 
things and outside of, uh, you know, the pandemic and the NBA essentially being forced to be in a bubble, this was a great, in my opinion, like a, like a social experiment to show the importance of fans. So now I think the NBA can even like crunch the data. They can try to do some things where they can market it to the fans. Like, yo, your support is needed. It goes like, we, when we were in the bubble, we only scored 110 points. But when we had fans, we were scoring 115, 100, this, da 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 Be a marketing ploy to the fans. Now fans are more enticed to come to the games because they feel like they're involved. There's just a, there's a litany of things that can, that can uh, uh, occur outside of this bubble. This bubble, yeah. It's, it's a wild scenario. And we've definitely seen players, no fans, all these different impacts just change the game. NBA keeps saying, I think their advertising slogan is like, it's a whole new game. And it literally no, a whole new game. It is. It is, man. It, it, it is. And people think that it's like, it's the same. And they're like, oh, it's, it, I don't want to say it's easier with no fans, but there's just, you know, you, there's no home court advantage that you can't rely on them. You can't rely on the fans. Like if you make a three, yeah, everybody's going crazy. Now the other teams, like, you know what I mean? Like when you're, when you're playing and another team hits three threes in a row, you feel that you're starting to be like, Oh man, like we need a bucket. And in your head, it's like, if we don't get a bucket on this one, it's going to get ugly. And then that starts playing like a mental cycle into your head. So there's a lot of things that go into it, bro. So it's been, it's been really interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of the bubble. I think it'll be, uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do after this, um, how they progress forward with, you know, um, the the next seasons, but it's uh it's it's been interesting to say the least. I have, I have an interesting transition here, so let's take it back to Pepperdine. Speaking of no fans, let's talk let's talk Firestone Fieldhouse and Pepperdine because I've been to a lot of games at our favorite university where there aren't many fans there, and I've also games where there are a ton of fans there. So I'm sure you have some differences there playing say a Gonzaga versus an early non-conference game at Pepperdine back when you were there. How different was that for you when you had the Gonzaga game, when you had ESPN coming out, when you had a packed gym? How different was that for you getting ready for that game? There's a – when you have fan, when you have a packed house, especially in Firestone Fieldhouse, because it's relatively small, so, like, that energy is just, like, it's like you can just feel it um, out from whether it's the other team's fans or whether it's just, you know, people are like Gonzaga's in town, they're number three in the nation, number one in the nation, they want to, you know, come see – the players feel that too. So, for example, I think we played IUPUI one year at home, and there was literally nobody there. It was a Saturday was game. <laughs> yeah, bro. Was it like it was a like Saturday I, afternoon game? Yeah, yeah. It was like a, one of those Saturday It was like weird 2 p.m., 3 p.m. starts or something? Exactly. So, nobody's there. Nobody's there. We're the – you know I mean? We're, um, we're you know, game planner. We're like, man, we're supposed to win this game. And then, you know, they come in, and they're obviously um, – I don't know where IUPUI is, but they're in Malibu. They're hype. You know what I mean? They give us a run for our money. They end up beating us. But it's like, in our head, we doing the scout. We're like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We, sh- we should for sure take this game by five, six, ten points. And then it ends up being a dogfight. And, you know, no fans being there. You don't have necessarily the energy, like the timing. Everything is just off, right? Now, compare that to when we play Gonzaga at 7 p.m. at night on a – Thursday night or something like that. So it's not Friday where people want to go out, but it's Thursday. So they're like, oh, we want something to do. Not too late. So everyone's packing it out. It's Gonzaga. And I'll put it like this. The, this is how you know the energy is just a little bit different. I remember that one year that we played Gonzaga, it was probably my 
junior year and um, played Gonzaga, uh, Kevin Pangos is at the free throw line. I'll never forget this because I was the reason that I say that I was the reason we lost the game, which I think I was. Um, but Wait, Kevin was this, Pangos, sorry, 2015? Uh, 2015? This was, yeah, 2015. Kevin Pangos, 90% free throw shooter, plays in the EuroLeague, plays in ACB, played in Lithuania. Great, you know, great player, right? 90% from the free throw line. 90% from the free throw line. He doesn't miss. Especially in college, he doesn't miss. First free throw, air balls. Like, air ball. Kevin, like, Kevin Pangos, an air ball to basically close out the game. Air balls. Next free throw, he misses. So, it just having fans there, having them on your side is very, especially when, like I say, I think that's why Duke is so, like, when you go to, when you go uh, to play Duke at home, their, their gym isn't, like, crazy big, but they pack it out, and you feel that energy. It's felt from the players on the opposing team to the, you know, the Duke players themselves. I'm looking right now at this box score because I found the game. I, this was the closest Pepperine's ever been. I forgot about this game. And you didn't start in this game. Why didn't you? Yeah. I'm looking at this box score saying Stacey Davis went off per usual, a 21 piece, and you didn't start. Uh, man, Yo, Jet, I Reigns think, had a, Jet Reigns had a career day too. <laughs> I, think that was, um, I think that was during a run. It was one day. Oh, so we were supposed to go to BYU or we, we went to BYU, and that morning practice, I don't know what I was doing, but I might have just been upset because it was, like, dumb early. <laughs> so uh, we're, like, in practice, man, and uh, one of our coaches, like, getting on me, and then this, this, that, and the third, and, um, I don't know, like, we might have got into it or something like that. I forget what I said, but we got into it, and then coach basically kicks me out of practice, right, and tells me to go to the locker room, pack my stuff up, like, get ready to get on the bus, like, um, not like a crazy big deal, but obviously it was – he just didn't want us arguing. We're preparing to play BYU. It's very stupid. I'm the leader on the team. He's like, you don't need to be engaging in this. Go to the locker room. Um, get all my stuff. Uh, me and Coach, like, you know what I mean? We're cool. I think it was Coach Moore. Like, it was – it really wasn't anything. It happens, yeah. Um, I, media always overreacts to that BS, but it happens. I mean, like it's yeah, fun. yeah, like, no, no, no. That that happens a lot. Like, and, and after the fact, it, it really wasn't a big deal. It's just, like, heat of the moment in practice. You know, it is what it is. But coach comes to me and basically says, you know, I'm not going to start. And then that BYU game, we go to a BYU, and we end up beating them by, I think, like, five or something like that. And I might have had 23 or something, right? And then so the next game, he was like, yeah, you're not starting either. Um, I think I killed that game too. And then the following game was, I think, the Gonzaga game. So I didn't start that one either. Um, but yes, it was the closest that we came because we were down to Kevin Pangos, air balls, his first free throw, second free throw, hits the back rim, comes to my side. I'm on the right block. Uh, Sabonis is on, on my backside. I'm thinking like, oh, okay, I'm about to like block him out. I'm going to tip the ball this way towards out of bounds and go and get it. You know what I mean? So I tip it, but he also tips it too. So my tip of the ball was a little bit too aggressive. Tip the ball, it goes out of bounds. They say it's our ball. I'm like, yes, but I forget how much time is left. They're like, no, nah, let's go look at it. As soon as they said, let's go look at it, I was like, oh, dang it. So, because I knew it was out on me. So they reversed the call. Um, Gonzaga gets the ball back. We foul. I think they make two free throws. They go up four. I come down. I make a layup. We're down two. Um, or like, no, I, I make a layup and get fouled or something like that. So now we're down two, but it's like, it's like a couple seconds. Left, so we have to miss the free throw. We don't have another timeout either. So 
missed a free throw, try to get it, get a tip. We don't get the tip and we lose. Um, I know. I, I remember that. I'll never forget that. Yeah, game. You'll, you remember everything about that. That's amazing. From yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I will, I will, I'll never forget that one. Never. Speaking of never forgetting Pepperline basketball, what is the one thing about Pepperline basketball that you'll miss the most that you, that you don't have anymore? What's, what's the one thing about playing there? The one thing that I absolutely miss about playing at Pepperdine will just be the um, just getting to play with my best friends, man. Like me and me and the guys on the team, like me, Atif, Jeremy, Amadi, um, like a lot of the guys on the team, we still talk. Me, Atif, Jeremy, Amadi, we went, we we hang out every summer. Um, they came to Arizona. I went to we went to San Diego. Um, we're still, you know, close as ever. And, uh, you know, just like knowing that we'll never get to officially play together again. That's, that's, that's what I miss the most because, you know, you get to play, man, and you, you, you continue to play, you build relationships with people as you go to these other countries and you start to develop friendships with people on teams here, um, in Europe or wherever it is you're playing. But, you understand there's like a kind of an understanding for the most part is, you know I mean? It's not like the NBA where you can sign more, like a lot of people don't sign multi-year deals. So where they're keeping the same players in the same locker room. So, so like, there's like an understanding of knowing, you know, this is like kind of like a yearly thing, you know, we're going to be doing this for a year, but you know, you still develop a relationship, but it's not like, you know, me, a jet, we came in together and we left together and, Amadi, Jeremy, and all them, they came in the following year and we all rocked out for three years. You know what I mean? We went from, we're doing 6 a.m. together. We're, you know what I mean? We're grinding in the summer from May until June and going home for a month and back at it from August until, you know what I mean, May um, again. So uh, that that's what I miss the most, man. Uh, I miss that. I miss, uh, you know, the, the faculty. Um, I miss the, you know, our trainers and, um, again, man, just that, just that kind of like that, that, uh, that social environment, that camaraderie, you know what I mean? There's nothing like it. Yeah. There's, there's literally nothing like that ever. We talked about a tough Pepperdine memory on the court. What's your best Pepperdine memory on the court that you still have? Yo, best, sorry, hold on. Uh, best Pepperdine memory. Ah, man, I don't want to be cliche. Uh, I'm definitely not going to say when I when I broke the record. Um, I thought that one might uh, be there, but yeah, I don't. I don't want to be cliche. That was a very that was a very good one because I remember when I broke it, man. The the crowd started chanting my name, and it was I it was I felt like I was the only one in the arena. It was like it was incredible. They were you know they were chanting my name, and it was uh, it was just it was like one of those feelings that if I try to reminisce about it now, I can feel it all over again. But I will probably say best feeling at Pepperdine was probably when we we went on that run where we where we were beating BYU um, basically two times a year. Like we were beating them every like every game. At I think we'd be in like. Yeah, yeah, I think when you guys beat them when I was there, man. It, I swear I've never felt like I was more in a road arena in my life. Like they, the amount of fans that they pack in, I don't they know how they, well. do they bring up like, like, do they have like private planes that they put fans on from Provo? No, bro. They, they just, they travel insanely well. Like it's absurd. The, uh, yeah. The, the, the Mormon community, man, they travel insanely well. 
but we, I think we beat them, might have beat them like six times in a row, five times in a row. But that's my favorite memory simply because that was really like the moment where it cemented to the rest of the league, yo, we're here. Like, this, this is real. So it's not, um, you know, because prior to getting there, man, we were, you know, we were bottom of the conference. We were, you know, guys were going on Twitter talking about, oh, we're about to go get this easy dub at Pepperdine from St. Mary's. You know, they're just talking, you know, a lot of, a lot of trash about the university. And um, to be quite frank, there wasn't really anything that the guys could say because, you know, we were losing. And so I know that the first time that we beat them, you know, their fans were insanely upset. They're like, Pepperdine, we're not supposed to lose to them. And then, you know, the second time we beat them, they're like, what is going on? What, what's going on with this team? And they have, you know, Tyler Hawes, Kyle Collinsworth, they have guys that are going to go down in the Hall of Fame of their university. Like Kyle Collinsworth, he's, like he damn near go down in the Hall of Fame of the NCAA like for breaking the triple-double record. Um, so it's not like we're playing against some chumps. You know what I mean? We're we out there. Uh, and then the third time, it's like, okay, it's not a fluke. This is real. They're real. Um, so that I would say that was probably that's probably my favorite memory, man. That and uh, that and when we um, when we got to the conference fi- semifinals in Vegas, that was always a good feeling. Mm-hmm. That was always a great feeling. But my my favorite memory would probably be. Just starting that streak against BYU, that was incredible. Yeah, I remember being at those games as a, as a fan at Firestone, and that was the most fun win as a fan to have also because you were basically doing it on the road. Maybe, maybe Man. games were fun too, but to do it in front of all, like a 95% Mormon crowd at BYU. Man, just, just like the fact that they were all leaving and they were so upset, yeah. it, it just, oh man, it just made it that much better. <laughs> Made it that much better. This is a ton of fun, uh, Stacey. I could literally go on for another hour, but I don't want to take uh, a bunch of your time. I know you got a game tomorrow. Man, listen, I don't. I, no, I have. I just got practice, man. I'm, I'm, I'm cool. We can, we can chop it up for as long as you want. I don't, I don't got anything to do but practice in the morning. And I'm, you know, I mean, I'll be fine. Couple more questions then, and then we'll we'll close out the second episode of Roll Waves. Pepperdine, right now, we got a guy in Colby Ross. Yes. You have a guy in Colby Ross that is thinking three letters in NBA. Have you yes. followed his career closely? Obviously, you haven't been at Pepperdine, but I'm sure, I'm sure knowing you, you've watched closely what he's doing. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I've, uh, when, um, I think it was, uh, might have been Kobe's freshman year, I came back during that summer and um, I was excited to hoop with the team, man. And uh, at the time, he was nursing an injury, so they didn't want him to play. Uh, he wasn't playing in the, um, in the open gyms, but you could just tell, um, I think it was like his freshman year and they had a really good freshman class. So, you know, we were, it was just kind of trying to see like who was going to really stand out. I think the first couple games, uh, I think somebody else was standing out for him. Um, but then after like maybe about five games, it was like, no, nah, that's Kobe, it's Kobe's team. And so, you know, ever since then, man, you know, we haven't been able to work out together. Um, obviously, uh, with just the, um, the whole pandemic this year. And then usually I try to go up to Pepperdine every summer and work out. But I think the year before I didn't get a chance to, but outside of that, man, I've been following, I've been, you know, trying to, you know, give him any advice if he's ever asked for it. 
I've been, you know, just telling them like, yo, keep going, bro. Like this is, this is, you know what I mean? Don't stop because like you said, NBA is right there. They're like, it's right there for you to like, for you to snatch it. Um, and so it's been, it's been incredible, man. I've just, I, for me as an alumni and for me as somebody that's played at Pepperdine, seeing where the talent that we've been able to get has gone from is incredible. Um, I, I give that, um, I give that credit to not only Coach Wilson, but also Coach Romar because, you know, Kobe was Coach Wilson's recruit. But yep. it's just it's just incredible, man, because um, it just in regards to the record, because he's going to break my record, like, in literally in the first game. Um, just to think that that record stood the, the test of time for three decades. And, my, and then I break it, and then the record literally gets broken in, within five years. Uh, the biggest thing for them is they have the talent. Now it's time to win during the regular season. You know, they made waves um, last year because I think they were eighth and they ended up making it to the conference semifinals in the tournament. So, and then Kobe went off for the crazy game, took yeah, basically St. Mary to the wire for that, to get that final spot. Um, so that was incredible. But I think the biggest thing for them now is to win during the regular season. And that'll be a little bit interesting this year considering COVID and how they're going to, you know, do the schedule, but winning during the regular season. So that way you're, you know what I mean? Like, you know, who you're going to play come tournament time, you know, you know what I mean? Like you, you're, you're establishing yourself as a better team. Um, I think that's the biggest thing for us as a program, but it's been, uh, it's been, it's been incredible to watch him flourish basically from where he was at his freshman year to now. And one of your teammates, Amadi is still around the team. So what's that like? Yeah. Man, you know what? You know what's actually crazy about that? If you would have told me that Amadi would have been going back to school, basically get his master's, I would have not believed it. I don't think Amadi would have believed it. <laughs> but we always knew, we always knew without a doubt that Ma was going to coach. Like, when we were, even when we were playing, um, you could just tell, like, he just had that energy and that passion for basketball. And he just knew how to connect guys. Like, he was a very good connector off the court. And on the court, too. But he was a really, really good connector of just relationships and just, you know what I mean, like being a cool guy in the locker room, being a voice in the locker room. And so that's good, man. It, it allows me to stay a little bit more connected to Pepperdine, I'm, you know what I mean, than um, it would be if, you know, he wasn't there. Uh, but, but it's really good, man, because I know he'll make an incredible coach. I know he'll do, you know, incredible things in the coaching world. He has a very sound basketball mind, very high basketball IQ. Even when we, um, when we would talk, like have basketball discussions, you know, usually I'm not like crazy with stats, but like if, you know what I mean? I can pick stats or I can, you know what I mean? Make valid arguments and, you know what I mean? Like recollect something that happened maybe two years ago with a guy or whatever the case and Mod would blow me out the water and take it to the next level. And I'm just like, yo. So his his ability, like his his basketball like knowledge is really, really there. And so um I'm definitely sure that now that he's had two years under his belt where he's really just been dissecting film and mm -hmm. doing a lot of stuff, like he's gonna go very far in the coaching ranks. So I, I I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, at one point you see him being a head coach somewhere. That'd be awesome. Uh, Pepper yeah, man, that'd be incredible. That'd be really cool to see. What are some goals for you this year in Hungary as a player and in, into your future? What are some goals you have right now as a basketball player, as a pro? Um, okay, so one, my main goal right now is honestly just to 
just to have fun, just to enjoy the process. Um, I think a lot of times as basketball players, we get wrapped up and granted it's very serious and it's very like, this is your livelihood. So you need to take it serious. And, you know I mean? There's a, there's a, there's an aspect of professionalism that you need to take, but man, at the end of the day, it's just basketball one. And then two, um, man, it's just going by so quick, bro. I'm, 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 this will be my fifth year. Like once this is over, I'll be half a decade into my professional career. You're a vet. So, in today's, you know what I mean? Today's standards, you're a vet, man. Man. So my thing is like, problem. huh? It's probably crazy for you to think about. I can't even imagine. Man, I, it's, it's crazy to think that like, I'm literally one of the vets in locker room. Yeah. And then I'm like, yo, these first five years went by fast. The next five years are going to go by just as fast. And when I put it in that perspective, bro, it's just, uh, I just want to have, I just want to enjoy it. I want to enjoy the camaraderie. I want to enjoy, like, laughing. I want to enjoy, like, man, just, you know what I mean? Me and my teammates, we just go grab some food just to chill or we'll just play video games or we'll just, you know what I mean? Like, that camaraderie because once you get out of basketball, bro, it's unless you live in the same city as, you know, like Amadi, Atif, Jeremy, they all still live in California. So they're able to link up and all that stuff. But I stay in Arizona. So we're, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to have to go out there and visit. They're going to have to come to me and visit. So, um, but I said that to say, when you're done playing basketball, like that continuous camaraderie of being able to bond around one thing, it's not going to be there. And you talk to anybody and they like I said, that's just the one thing you miss. So, Main goal is just to have fun um, on the court, off the court. Always remember that, you know, it's just a game and, you know, the sun's going to shine tomorrow. Um, my second goal would be I just want to win a championship, man. Whatever I got to do to win a chip. Um, I've done, you know, the scoring. I've showcased I can score. I've showcased I can rebound. I've showcased I can play different positions. I've showcased I can shoot the three. At this point, man, I just want to win a chip. I want to win a chip. I want to be a part of championship teams. I want to show that you know, I can go and continue to play at high levels and, and be an efficient player on a championship level team where I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't need to get the ball every player. I don't need to, like, isolate all the time. Like, I don't need to do any of that. I just want to, I want to play basketball and I want to win. And then um, third goal is just, um, you know, when I get my daughter out here, just to make sure that she's um, having a good time, man. You know, she'll have, a lot of stamps in her passport before she can even realize what's going on. Um, so just that's another thing is like giving her these experiences. So last year I was in Finland and we were able to take her to um, Santa Claus village wow. and Santa Claus village, man, she was going, in, she was going insane. We, we got to like ride in the reindeer sleigh and all kinds of stuff. So uh, I will put it in that order, you know, have fun, win a championship and make sure when my daughter gets here, make sure that she's um, having a great time. Stacey, this was a ton of fun. And as a Pepperdine fan, I'm just so happy I could have you on. Followed your home career and best of luck this season. Best of luck having the family out there in Hungary. And hopefully everything goes well this year. I appreciate it, boss. Thank you for having me on. Whenever you want to talk again, chop it up on the podcast, off the podcast, just hit me up, man. Awesome. Let's do it. Thank you. That was Pepperdine legend Stacy Davis on episode two of the Roll Waves podcast. One more episode coming at you next week, once a week here on the weekly Roll Waves podcast, now available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. If you guys could drop a review as well, that would be an awesome help. Also follow at waves underscore up, Roll Waves on Twitter. 
and at ALW underscore 33 for more Pepperdine basketball content. As always, roll waves.